Welcome to Hat Collecting, the talk show where we talk about the many different metaphorical hats that people wear in their lives, because no one does just one thing and everyone has a story. I am your host, Lacey Artifice, a creative Jill of many trades, and I am joined today by Kate Sloan, who is an author and journalist, a sex educator, a podcaster, a musician, an improviser, and more. <laughs> it's one of the longest bios I've ever had. You're very prolific. Oh, really? You think I'm in like the top tier in terms of number of hats? That's That makes me feel good. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I appreciate people who really just kind of do all the things because mm -hmm. it makes me feel a little bit less, uh, you know, uh, eccentric, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never wanted uh, to choose. It's a very classic um, bisexual thing that I just like. <laughs> I never wanted to like settle down with one, you know, one stream of income or, or one thing to do for the rest of my life. Do you kind of still like, I guess, do you like actively do all these things in varying degrees or has it been kind of over the years that you've kind of bounced around them? Uh, I'm still doing all of those things except for improvising. At this stage in my life, I am only an improv fan, like an, an extremely big improv fan, like very nerdy, like would fly out on a whim to Chicago for the weekend if my favorite troupe was performing, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I used to be an improv coach. And then before that, I was on a competitive improv team in school, but haven't had many opportunities to do that lately. Ah, yeah, that's very cool. Um, so I'll start off quickly here with a land acknowledgement before we hop into the questions formally. Um, Toronto or Takaranto is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Anishinaabe. This is a Dish with One Spoon Treaty territory, and we are uninvited visitors on this land. To learn more about that, you can visit native-land.ca, which is actually for the whole world, despite the .ca ending. Some people think it's just for Canada, but it it actually covers the whole world or most of it. Um, but yeah, so that's a place that you can go to get started if you're curious and want to learn a little bit about either the, the kind of treaties and the indigenous people of where you grew up or where you currently live, if you still kind of live where you grew up. Did you grow up in uh, Toronto? I did, yeah, born and raised. Yeah, yeah, most of my guests have been, so um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess the first thing I like to kind of talk about, I know we, we sort of briefly touched on it, but um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, so how you got into, uh, I guess, other than the improv, like how did you get into some of the other things that you do right now? Um, well, for music, which is like not my job at all and is something I do almost exclusively for no money these days. Um, I was just always like pretty musical, started taking piano lessons when I was pretty young. Um, I'm taking guitar, I've taken voice lessons. I really wanted to be a musical theater performer when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I kind of like set it to the side when I started doing my like grown up job. Uh, but this year in particular, I've been trying to get back into it. So I'm doing a, a challenge I've issued myself where I'm trying to write and record one song a week, which has been really fun. Um, but for the other stuff, um, I was just like always a huge nerd about sex. And um, I don't think I always knew that I was going to do something in that field, but it just always interested me. And I was the kid who was like reading our bodies ourselves that I like stole from my mom's office and stuff like that. <clears throat> I was just really dorky about it. And um, after I finished high school, I decided to take a year off before university because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And in that year, I did a bunch of stuff. I like coached an improv team, like I said, and um, worked a couple of part-time jobs. But I also was like, 
I like writing and I've always been good at writing and I'm really interested in sex and sexuality. Um, so I thought it would be fun to start a sex blog. Um, and it was called Girly Juice and it's still around today. It's actually this weekend that we're recording this um, is the 10 year anniversary of my blog existing, wow. which is so wild. Uh, I started it when I was 19 and I really thought I would just work on it for like a few months. But um then I, I kept working on it. I went to journalism school. I got my degree in journalism um, and kind of just like built this career as like a predominantly sex focused writer um, from just originally just my blog and then eventually branching out to um, journalism as well as uh, now writing two books. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a really, really rewarding journey. It's, it's like, I definitely feel in some sense, like I was meant to be doing this well, that's very cool um yeah no it's it's interesting I, i've talked to um i'm not sure how much of it's been on the actual show but i've been talking to people certainly off air lately about um i myself am a, a very late bloomer i was diagnosed with autism in my kind of mid-20s and so that's kind of really where my like grown-up life kind of started and so yeah. um i've been one of my goals for this year was to try and actually put some conscious thought and effort into um, getting more into like my sexuality and exploring that stuff. But uh, pandemic is obviously still making that a little bit more challenging. Right. Um, yeah. But it's something that, yeah, I have a, a curiosity about it as well. And um, so it's, it's always fascinating to me to see people, especially because it's like a taboo subject and it's not many people kind of make their living from talking about or writing about that stuff. So I'm very, uh, impressed and admir admiring of, of people that, uh, go that route and, and make a good go of it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting field to work in. I think that there's probably a lot about it that is somewhat unique, um, in terms of like, uh, like partners of mine who I've dated have been hesitant to like come out publicly about being my my partner, um, which of course happens to like various different people and in, in different jobs and for different reasons. But like, that was always kind of strange to me, although understandable. And also like, I had to deal with the issue of like, when do I come out to my family about doing this? Because like, I'm writing about stuff that I really don't know if they're gonna wanna see it. And um yeah, it was like definitely not the beaten path in terms of like what other people at journalism school were doing, but <laughs> it was what I wanted to do. Yeah, no, it sounds like you found your calling, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I kind of didn't expect that I would enjoy interviewing people as much as I do, but uh, mm. it turns out I, I had a podcast about 10 years ago, and then I kind of did another interview project a few years later, and then the pandemic happened and I was like, I really miss doing this. And so I started doing it again and, and here That's I am. So nice. so, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny cause I've been like uh, more introverted for most of my life, but in the course of the pandemic, I've really felt that shift. And so like lately I've really been wanting to just talk to people as much as possible, which yeah. I'm still getting used to. Cause it's, it's like, you know, 36 years of, of not being like that. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. I am. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. I was kind of curious to ask you, as I kind of said, like being like a late bloomer, um, and this is kind of a question I'm putting you on the spot, so I apologize for that. But um, do you, is there anything that kind of comes to mind for you in terms of like advice or suggestions or recommendations for someone who's maybe a little bit less experienced and wanting to like explore and do more? You mean realm? sexually? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's always really useful to 
think about and become aware of what works for you sexually, both in terms of actual touch and in terms of the mental side of things, whether that be kink or fantasies or um, certain types of partners that you're thinking about. Um, I think that a lot of times when people get into a sexual relationship for the first time, they, um, they try to make it a lot about like what they think that they should be doing or like what they think that their partner is expecting them to do. And I think that it's really much more useful if you can bring to the table, like some information that your partner might find helpful in terms of having good sex with you. Um, I also think there's lots of great books and resources out there in terms of like sexual technique um, and that kind of thing, as well as like erotica. But I also think it's important to know that um, when you actually start doing these things, like they are just different from what you, you know, thought that they were going to be typically. Um, I think a lot of people expect that when they like have sex for the first time or like explore their kink for the first time or whatever, that it's going to be somehow like really magical and it's just going to be perfect right off the bat. Cause this is kind of what we see in like porn or erotica. And then people are really disappointed and like maybe even feel broken when they try it. And it's like not quite how they thought it would be. And like this happened to me, like I was a sex nerd my entire youth. And then still like when I had uh, straight sex, quote unquote, for the first time, I was like, there were no fireworks. Like it was like, didn't really feel like that much. I don't know. I feel broken. I feel weird. Even though like, I totally knew that that's like a, a normal thing for a lot of people. Um, but you always like there, I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like I've had a tendency to be like, but I'm not going to be like that. Like I'm going to be different. And then I like get so disappointed when I'm not. Um, but yeah, just like staying open, not having too many expectations, but like having some knowledge to work with. I think that's my main advice. Yeah, that sounds really good. I know a big thing for myself uh, was was learning that I'm on the demisexual spectrum because that Me all too. makes uh, yeah, it, it makes <laughs> a big difference and uh, can be a bit of an obstacle sometimes. But then when you can actually get into a situation where the the connection is really good, like it's there's nothing like that in in my limited experience. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've been so much more gentle with myself since arriving at that label because I think I used to really judge myself for like, well, other people seem to have attractions much more quickly or easily or whatever. And, and I'm, I don't have that, like, what's wrong with me is because I'm, you know, traumatized or whatever. And it's like, no, that's, it's a perfectly valid style of attraction. Um, and knowing that the, it's like a real thing with a real word just felt very validating for me. Hmm. Very nice. Um, so one of the more formal questions on the show here, I like to ask about misconceptions because I always like to learn and kind of from more of an expert, like what things did they hear or do they read that they want to like miss that you want to dispel or things that you just hear people keep saying like that's not how it actually is or something. What do you think is like one of the biggest misconceptions about sexuality or sex education or that kind of thing? Yeah, well, the one that I hear the most often probably is because I a lot of my writing is focused on sex toys. And so I do like test and review a lot of toys. And so sometimes people will be like, basically, like, you're so lucky you just get to like masturbate for a living. And I'm like, that is seriously, I would say 2% or less of the time that I spend working. Um the rest of it is the same boring shit that like all kinds of freelancers have to do, like, um, you know, admin and emails and invoicing and uh, as well as like the actual writing part, the editing, the photography, the web design, um, 
web maintenance, all of this stuff. Um, it is just such a small part of what I do. Um, and I always just think that that's very silly. Um, another thing, and I, I have heard from many of my colleagues in this industry that they also experience this, is like a lot of people expect that if you work in this industry that you must be like really wild sexually and like having a lot of sex all the time and it's like super kinky and like group sex and like all this stuff and like I've definitely had periods in my life when I was doing that um not gonna lie but like that's just not who I am like I think doing this work has really showed me that there's so much variance in human sexuality that it actually like gave me permission to not feel like I had to constantly have this like hop in sex life so that I could write about it um like I really kind of came to the realization that like the best and most radical sex life you can have is like exactly the one that you want to have so you know I do I do dabble in kinks <laughs> a fair bit and um I do do wild stuff from time to time but like I don't know I'm just not the the manic sexy dream girl that I think a lot of people like assume that I'm gonna be before they meet me mm. No, that's that. I have talked to a few other, uh, at least a couple of other sex workers or sex worker adjacent people on the show, and I've heard similar things that mm -hmm. it's a lot of that's, yeah, very common that people just think that you're like hypersexual all the time. And, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can totally understand. It's kind of like that myth that like women don't like sex. Like, how is that still mm. getting perpetuated? I don't understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like anyone who says that I'm always like, you're outing yourself as like having not been able to excite women before. I mean, potentially, I don't know. Maybe that's a bit judgmental, but like. Yeah. Um, so you've been interested in this for a good portion of your life. Was there a point when you were like a young child before sexuality was really a thing for you that you had like a, a childhood dream or something else that you kind of pictured yourself doing in the future? Yeah, I think it was always music. Um, mm -hmm. I loved uh, like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera when I was a kid. I, I really liked the idea of becoming someone like that, which is very funny to me now. I do not have the athleticism <laughs> among other things. Um, and then I did like get very, very seriously into musical theater for like a long period of time. Um, my mom took me to see the producers on Broadway when I was nine, which is like, way too young to see that show that's like a very adult show <laughs> but I was I just fell in love with it and uh really really wanted to be a musical theater performer and like read books obsessively about like how to audition and like how to make it in the industry and stuff um and then I went to a like a performing arts high school and they didn't make you pick a major which is great because if I had had to pick my major when I was in grade nine like I would have hated it by the time I got to grade 12 I just like changed so much over those years like I became much more interested in improv and in writing um I just I still have great great respect for musical theater but I again I do not have the athleticism or the like strength of character that one would need to get rejected uh on the level that folks do in that industry hmm. Yeah, I have a few friends that are kind of uh, in that or have like, you know, a toe in that field. And I, I do hear uh, similar things. <laughs> um, 
So uh, something else that I like to ask on the show here, because I like to, again, learning, learning as much as I can from the guest and for the audience. Um, what is uh, the last new thing that you learned, whether it was like a, a skill or a piece of information or like a topic? And what is something you would still like to learn? Hmm. Well, recently I've been really into learning about uh, like a therapeutic modality called internal family systems. It's um it's a technique that my therapist uses. Um, and it's basically this psychological model where you envision that um, any like strong feelings or impulses or or voices or whatever that that you uh, feel inside yourself are like you imagine that those are little people inside you and you can sort of like dialogue with them. So that theoretically, rather than being like overcome by sadness, you can kind of mentally step back from the sadness, see it as separate from you and start going like, what, why are you sad? Or like, what are you scared of? Or um, what do you need from me to feel safer or happier in this moment? Um, and it sounds really wacky, like when you first encounter it or like, that's how I felt about it at least. But um, it's giving me a degree of distance from my feelings that I just like hadn't been able to find in any other way before because uh, I would just be overcome by them. And it's also really good at like instilling compassion for yourself because like if I have a meltdown where I'm really, really depressed and crying and feeling worthless and ashamed, um, as soon as I can look at that and kind of step back from that and go, okay, what if this is like a traumatized little girl in my psyche like, as soon as I picture her, like I'm, I no longer want to say these horrible things to myself. Like you're such a failure. You're such a loser. Nobody will ever love you, whatever. Like you, you're not going to say that to this tiny little girl. And so it's like actually helping me shift all this negative self-talk, which is really nice. Yeah. My therapist has actually uh, recently brought that same thing up to me. So oh, cool. yay. <laughs> um, yeah. And something yeah. that I'd like to learn. Um, I would really like to be better at rope bondage. Uh, mm. It's something that I really admire and find very beautiful. Um, and I have uh, like had people tie me up on a number of occasions and really enjoyed the kind of like meditative space that that invokes. But um, I would really like to be able to tie up other people or to even like tie myself and it's a pretty hard skill to learn from what I've heard from folks. Like, it seems like one of those things that it would be much easier to do it like in a class. And like, obviously during the pandemic, I haven't really felt able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have uh, I have a friend who does, <laughs> I feel like every answer that you're going to give, I'm going to say, I have a friend who does this. I <laughs> well, we have a lot, a lot of, of like people. overlapping connections. It seems like. Yeah, that's, that's true. But yeah, I have a, a friend who does uh, post pictures of that pretty regularly. I think she actually has like a dedicated Instagram account just to like, you know, rope stuff that she does. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely cool to look at uh, it. That particular, um, kink i guess hasn't appealed to me personally as much but like i, I think it looks amazing but mm -hmm. the actual like practicing part of it uh hasn't hasn't pulled me in quite yet <laughs> but yeah, no that's it's, uh yeah but i mean that's as they say you know your kink is not my kink but your kink right. is okay <laughs> yep. um yeah so what's the uh, next question i like to ask is what is something that you wish you had known when you were kind of coming out of school and going into like the real world I, I guess I wish I had known that, like, it wasn't going to be that different. Like, I feel like there was a lot of talk 
in university about like, oh, when you graduate, like when you get your first job after graduation, like everything's going to be so different. And um, for me, that was just not the case because I never got like a staff job doing journalism. Like it was not something I ever like really wanted to do. It sort of was one of those aspirations that like they tell you you should want because it's supposedly more stable than being a freelancer although honestly in the current media landscape like maybe not so much um but yeah a lot of my peers like went on to have these like big deal grown-up journalism jobs and I was just like still freelancing writing about like dildos and um I think that I had this sense of like am I doing something wrong like am I not growing up properly I, I feel like I'm not on the same level as my peers and I just didn't have the perspective to see at that point that like what I was doing was also important. It was also building somewhere and was ultimately like more what I wanted and needed. Um, Yeah. I think that I, I would have benefited from just knowing like it's going to continue to be this goofy, weird sex writing stuff you've been doing. And like, that's fine. Like you don't need to try to do anything else. Hmm. And so I guess a bit of an adjacent question to that. Um, is there something that um, could be taught as like a class in school like, like it, it, that isn't right now, but you think that if you went back to school, like like in high school, I sort of mean more so with this, but like, is there something that that's not taught in high school right now that you think should be? Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind for me is like social, something social. Like, I don't know if I want to use the term social intelligence. That feels a little eugenics-y or something but like you know what Mm. I mean like um social like I don't know social relating or something um I feel like people need better skills around stuff like how to listen to someone who just wants to vent and doesn't want solutions or um how to talk to someone who's really angry or really triggered or how to even like manage your own emotions before you try to respond to somebody um and even you know more sex-based social stuff like how to navigate consent conversations um how to detect a soft no like when someone doesn't feel comfortable full-on saying no to you that kind of thing um i think that there's like a pretty significant uh gap there in terms of what folks are learning and what they need to learn and then the other thing too is taxes like why don't we learn how to do our taxes that's absolutely wild that they still make us pay taxes but they don't teach us how to i don't know that makes me mad <laughs> <laughs> that that's fair yeah i mean i guess there's like a bunch of different softwares out there that you're supposed to be able to like do it yourself now but there's all the different like codes and laws and little loopholes and things like yeah. I pay somebody to do it for me <laughs> me too I can't stand it it's the type of work that like I sit down and like a minute in I'm like I have a headache and want to lie down this is not good <laughs> it's it's funny because like my day job is still kind of in the like admin accounting kind of world and at one point somebody suggested that I should get into like tax accounting because like I'd always have a job and and it's always something that people don't want to do so they will hire you to do it I'm like yeah but I I don't think I can handle doing this right. for you know 30 <laughs> years or whatever <laughs> yeah you got to take care of yourself too yeah um, so this next question here, um, again, we're talking about like metaphorical hats. And so 
Um, what I like to ask about this concept of like sort of opposite hats or dissimilar hats, like things that you do or that you're into that from the outside might seem completely unrelated and people can't figure out how you're kind of connected to both, but like you sort of know, um, what would be the sort of two most dissimilar things that you do or you're interested in or that kind of thing? Yeah, I think that it's gotta be my like more science heavy journalism and my like singer songwriter stuff because um like a lot of the writing i do is pretty personal and silly but when i do uh, a piece that does require like more of a science heavy approach and more of like a journalistic voice then like obviously i do that and um i have to you know remain very impartial and uh that kind of thing and i really enjoy doing that work um particularly because I'm really fascinated by sex science. Like I love reading nerdy studies that people did about like how fetishes are formed or like whatever. Um, so that's something that I'm really passionate about and really enjoy doing. And then on the flip side, like the singer songwriter stuff is just so silly. Like I just write like little love songs on the ukulele and um, just like say what I'm feeling or sometimes I'll write joke songs. Like this week I wrote a song about the Netflix dating show love is blind because that's just like what i felt like doing and um it's like entirely personal and entirely subjective um and not facts based um and yeah i think that those are both really fun and they both like exercise parts of my brain that are important yeah, I, I feel very similarly. I don't really do music much currently. I've been kind of feeling like I want to do it again. But uh, yeah, I've done uh, like I've written ebooks in the past that have been a little bit more kind of on the like science side of things. And and I've also done like, uh, you know, like I've done presentations in school before about like, you know, Weird Al or like the nerdy <laughs> side of heavy metal or things like that. Um, so I've definitely got those two sides going on as well. Um, I was actually curious to ask you, because since you you mentioned it there in passing, like the formation of kinks, is that something that you could <laughs> uh, take like 30 seconds and sort of uh, like elaborate on a little bit? Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of different theories. There are some people who say I was born with it. There are some people who say I had a very specific experience when I was young that gave it to me. Um, I don't think that there's any proof or disproof necessarily of either of those theories. Um, there are also <clears throat> scientists who've attempted to cure people of fetishes, which like doesn't really go so well, usually probably for the same reason that like conversion therapy doesn't really work. Um, and then there's also scientists who have tried to give people fetishes. There was a study where, um, the scientists showed some men pictures of rubber boots that were paired with like sexy photos of naked ladies. And the men did develop basically like a rubber boots fetish through like a Pavlovian mechanism, but it was not as like intense or long lasting as a, a natural born fetish. Um, and uh, there are also people who think that you can even like have experiences as, as an adult that might uh, cause you to develop a fetish, which like I think that has happened to me. I think that that's a real thing. Um, but yeah, it's like all over the map in terms of where people think that they come from and whether they think that they're more like, like from your neurology, like your wiring versus like things that you experience or feel or think. Um, I think that, uh, it's just always interesting to ask kinky people where they think their kinks came from. You like never get the same answer twice. And it's always interesting. 
Yeah, the thing that sort of struck me, I don't know if this would necessarily count as a fetish, but uh, I'll share a little story of my own um, experience. So a number of years ago, I ended up having a one night stand experience with somebody and uh, they had come to me and they had biked. And so they were kind of sweaty and like they we didn't do like pre you know, there wasn't like showering or anything beforehand. And I remember that I, I noticed the, like the, the body odor smell, but I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to make a fuss about it. Cause it's like, this person came to me, I, I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> and I found that after that uh, experience that I had developed like a, a bit of an association of like, I didn't find body odor as like repulsive anymore. It actually kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of that. And it was like a little bit more of a positive memory and so when you mentioned like I know that's not really a kink necessarily but it could be I mean it's it's one of the kinks in in my book is uh is sweat Hmm. fetish um a lot of people are into it yeah Hmm. interesting (laughs) because it was a totally random thing that that I experienced and and still like the the effect has like kind of faded over time but uh it's Mm -hmm. still there a little bit now and it was just like fascinating to me and and I know that there's like you can kind of do like exposure therapy in a sense with some things if, if you're kind of like um, if you're repulsed by something, but there's like no real like good justifiable reason to be repulsed by it. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking of things like, you know, fat phobia or stuff like that. Um, Cause that's mm-hmm. another thing that I kind of struggled with for a long time. And mm-hmm. um, but it's just, yeah, it's interesting to me to, to think about, the ways that we can kind of reprogram our brains or some of the ways that we just discover the ways that it's already wired. (laughs) Yeah. Brains are really cool. Yeah. Um, So the next question here is uh, we're going to talk briefly about um, relationships. Um, And I come with these concepts that I call a hype hat and heavy hat. Um, because the like hype hats are basically people who are are like hype person. They always like want to see us do well and encourage us no matter what. And then the heavy hats are the people that are kind of more of like a maybe a toxic presence in our life and they kind of discourage us or take the wind out of our sails. And I like to talk about these things because I it took me a long time to recognize a lot of these like the, the traits that kind of mix up to figure out who maybe isn't the best presence in my life. And so I've been asking the guests to kind of give an example of one of each um, without naming any names to help my listeners if they're not already sort of, I guess, more like aware of this kind of thing to help them learn to identify it a bit better and say like, okay, this person is good and I'm going to keep them, you know, increase the presence of them in my life and this other person maybe maybe more of a buffer kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my foremost hype hat for sure is my spouse, um, who uh, is just, I don't, I'm speechless. I don't even know how to explain. Um, They are just like such a huge supporter of my work. They like, we've been together a little over four years and they read aloud to me every single blog post that I publish before I publish it. Um, Just this really nice ritual we have together. Um, They're also my dominant in the kink sense. And they like guided me through the process of writing both my books. Like we had specific like incentive structures set up for that um which was really really nice and uh i don't know i just really love them a lot and being with them always just is the best um (laughs) not very articulate about my love um but as for a heavy hat like i'm honestly having trouble thinking of someone who's like currently in my life who i feel that way about like i feel like everybody who has made me feel that way either i have like significantly 
phase down our level of engagement or they just like are not in my life anymore. But um, is there like a prominent example of one person who's like not in your life anymore? Yeah, I'm thinking about this ex-boyfriend of mine who uh, he was just like always promising things and then never following through on them. Like he would promise that he had the capacity to be like a a committed primary partner to me and then would like just not demonstrate that. And he would say like, no, of course I won't like text my other partners while we're hanging out. That would be rude. And then he would like be constantly texting them. Um, Mm. And he would just be like making me feel bad for having needs and, and expressing how I was feeling. Um, He would make me feel like that was my problem and that I was being unreasonable and stuff. And I was so upset because I feel like when when you're in that type of relationship oftentimes you can't really see what's going on you don't have enough perspective um and when he broke up with me I was just like so upset like I was really crushed for a few months and it took me a while to realize like I was never really happy in that relationship except for like little moments here and there like all the rest of it was just like worrying all the time like I would just feel so drained after I spent time with him so yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah, I I had a, my my most recent relationship uh, was about a year ago, and um, kind of like not not exactly the same thing, but uh, it was kind of um, it sort of my my partner's mental health. Both of our mental health, we are obviously struggling from the pandemic, but hers was a lot uh, a lot worse off, and and that kind of I think deteriorated and brought both of us down. And um, it's like he's like, yeah, when when that ended, I was also quite uh, crushed for a couple of months. But then in in once I got past that and was able to look back at it with rationality, I saw a lot of those similar kinds of things. Like I wasn't treated very well, and my needs weren't respected, and um, I wasn't communicated with well. So like I couldn't actually know what to do, and the goalposts were kind of always moving, and so. Yeah, those are, I learned so many lessons from that that um, I'm going to take into to future. So it's like, a, and part of me is like, I wish that I could have known what I know now going into it because I could have been a lot better, but then mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten to learn those things. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so on on the note of uh, of mental health, um, something else that we like to talk to, talk about on this show, and uh, obviously I recognize that there's no like one size fits all solution. Everyone deals with different mental health issues and might find different things work for them. Um, in your particular case, in your life, um, have you dealt with any mental health struggles? And if so, what have you found that's worked for you to get through them? Yeah, I've like always struggled with depression and anxiety, um, particularly seasonal depression, but like kind of year round. Um, And I also have a history of emotional abuse in childhood. So I have some like trauma stuff around that. Um, The stuff that I'm doing now that's helpful is uh, I use a sad lamp in the winter and sometimes even not in the winter because I find that it a sad lamp is a seasonal affective disorder lamp for folks who don't know. Um, It's like a really bright lamp that's set at a specific light temperature and brightness um, that has clinical clinically proven effects in terms of like raising your mood and energy levels. Um, And I definitely find that that works for me. Um, I take Wellbutrin every day and I'm in therapy with a trauma therapist, which is a fairly recent thing for me only the past couple of years. Um, prior to that, I was mostly seeing therapists who specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is like 
fine for some people, but I, and I didn't even know at the time that I had trauma. Like I hadn't really thought of it that way until somewhat recently. But um, what I've learned is that CBT is like not necessarily the most useful thing for trauma because it's like sort of trying to logic or debate your way out of responses that are like obviously not rational because they're coming from like a deep place in your psyche. Um, mm -hmm. So I am glad that I eventually like sought out a different mode of therapy because I was just like not having any success with you know, when I'm, when I'm anxious, like, okay, well, what are the reasons that I shouldn't be anxious about this? It's like, I, uh, you know, I'm not, when I'm in that frame of mind, I really don't even have the the emotional or mental wherewithal to even like think about that. Um, I needed like a more direct uh, solution to my issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something that you kind of uh, made me think about while you were talking there. Um, I, so I, I, when you mentioned kind of having like uh, year-round uh, or potentially year-round uh, seasonal affective disorder and depression, and it kind of got me thinking uh, in the back of my mind about how um, like there's a lot of people that I know, including myself, where it's like we have so many reasons to like be happy and to be content and and positive, and yet like almost everyone I know is still depressed, and a lot of us are on different kind of medications. And mm -hmm. uh, it was in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, how can we be like happy people but also still like depressed and it's <laughs> uh, it's like because as I sort of look at your your situation and obviously like I'm potentially making some assumptions because I don't know your whole life and everything but um I guess there was a part of me that was a little bit surprised of like really you're like you're depressed too like because um, <laughs> like I I think myself like people look at me and all the things that I've done and, and accomplished and it's like I I just that, it's just interesting to me I guess I feel like that more that not as many of us should be and should is a bad word I shouldn't be using <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know I guess that's a little bit of a tangent thought that uh no I, but... I get what you're saying and um I also have uh fibromyalgia so like I have mm. chronic all over body pain and and fatigue and like people are always surprised about that too um probably because of how many different things I do but like now I'm kind of wondering like how much is all of this head collecting like actually a function of deep seated like guilt and worry that like because of these conditions I'm like never able to achieve enough? I don't know. Hmm. That is an interesting thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know for for me, like part of my the reason why I do all the things is is partly ADHD, which I do have. Um, I know that it's been difficult for me to stick with any one thing for anywhere from, you know, like a, a few weeks to a few months. And this this podcast I've been doing for about a year and a half now, and there's times where my interest kind of comes and goes with it. But every I find every time I'm actually in the interview, it's like, oh, yeah, I like doing this. But mm -hmm. sometimes, as you were saying, all the other stuff, like the web design and the social media and the promo graphics and all that, sometimes, like, I wish somebody else could do this for me and I could just do the fun part, which is the actual interview. Yeah. Um, but but also like yeah a bit of seeking kind of distraction and seeking like dopamine from doing a new exciting thing instead of doing the kind of the things that are less fun and less stimulating that uh, that have to be done as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of things I've done. I was just like, you know what? I want to be able to say that I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's as good a reason as any I think for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so the next question here, I like to uh, sort of preface this with uh, failure can be a good thing and sort of ties in, I guess, with, you know, the idea of, of putting 
negative people sort of out of our lives. But um, oftentimes when we do something and it maybe doesn't go quite the way that we hope, or if we actually like, you know, fail at something, but we learn a lesson or we learn that that wasn't the right thing for us anyways. Um, so I like to ask, uh, a lot of people have brought up like relationship failures, but um, perhaps in maybe your like professional life, has there been anything where you, where it hasn't gone the way that you'd hoped or that you actually like kind of failed at something, but it was, it was ultimately for the best? Yeah. Um, I think about seven or eight years ago, I got a job as a telemarketer. <laughs> it was just one of those situations where like I had lost a job. I was just like desperately looking for something else. And it was a telemarketing job for a theater company. And as I said, I really love theater. So I was like, okay, I actually believe in this. Like, I don't, I won't want to sell a thing that I don't actually think is good, but I do actually think that this is a valuable product. Um, and I did the training, which I think was two or three days. And then I showed up on like the first real day of actual work. And I was there for literally like an hour. And the amount of verbal and emotional abuse that people lob at telemarketers is like off the charts. Like I feel like a lot of people know this or suspect this, but like it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and I have too much anxiety for that. I was, I was really sitting there debating like, am I going to give up on this or am I going to push through it even though it's like not making me uh, feel like I feel like I'm gonna ruin my entire life if this is how I spend my my working hours. Like the re the entire rest of my days will just be like being depressed. Um, so yeah, I just like got up and went in to see my manager and was like, "Hi, I don't think this job is for me. Bye." And she was like, "Wait, like, can I help? Like, is there anything I can advise on or whatever?" And I was like, "Nope, bye." Um, I just like couldn't do it, and it made me more determined to try to work on my uh projects like self-employed type projects that I was already working on like my blog because I was like god it is just so bleak the the types of jobs that are out there and I just really want to avoid that if I can't yeah I had a, a telemarketing uh like a call center job once and that was easily the worst job that I've ever had in my life <laughs> um yeah so I definitely feel you on that one <laughs> Um, so the next question here, uh, I like to ask, I know we've kind of, I guess, indirectly given some advice from some of the different questions and answers, but I like to sort of formalize that a little bit more and ask the guests to offer some advice for a few different groups and you can give the same advice or you can give individual advice to, to the different groups. So I like to say, um, what advice would you give to a teenager? What advice would you give to like a 30 something year old? And what advice would you give to someone in like your parents' generation? Hmm. I would tell a teenager, focus less on trying to impress other people and focus more on doing the things that you enjoy doing and figuring out who you want to be. Um, I think that's really like the advice I needed at, the, at that time. I was like way too concerned with like what boys thought of me and stuff like that. And it's just like, it it didn't matter. Like I should I should have been working on stuff that made me happier than like waiting by the phone for a boy to text me. Um, for a thirty year old, I, my advice would be floss your teeth. Um, I'm like in such trouble because I was not flossing sufficiently. It's just, you got to floss. Um, and for someone of my parents' generation, I would say go to therapy. Not enough of them have been to therapy, 
and it shows it's an issue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, um, what is there advice that you would give to someone who's maybe like kind of 80 plus? Can you think of anything for, <laughs> for that group? Um, I mean, hard to, that's a really good question. Really hard to say because I haven't been there, but my, I, I feel like if I was in my 80s, my impulse would be to write everything down, like really make a record of all my great stories and things I had learned and interesting thoughts that I'd had. And, um, you know, I feel like that's, you got to have real earned wisdom at that stage in life. And I think that that's worth recording for somebody. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's a, there's a few questions that I, that I normally do on like our, our bonus show, but I've kind of, um, forgone that for the, for the time being, but, uh, would you be down to do some, uh, some word association? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a fun little, fun little game that, uh, that I like to do. Um, so yeah, I'll just, uh, throw a few words at you and just whatever kind of comes to mind first, uh, just say it. Um, okay. So uh, first word will be hat. Um, lacy. Hmm. Uh, I was picturing blue. like one of those, <laughs> one of those lacy brimmed hats. Oh yeah, I think I might have one of those in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I have. When people have asked me how many hats I actually have, and I don't know the exact number, but <laughs> I think it's probably like between like fifty and sixty. Wow. And, and so. So cl to clarify on that, I didn't actually, I didn't have that to begin with. I, once I started doing this show, cause we would um, put a hat on at the end of the show. It's what I used to do with it. And so like, I wanted to have a different hat for each time. So I started going mm -hmm. to thrift stores and trying to find right. different kinds of hats and different colors. And so I amassed a, a big collection. Yeah. You became and... a literal hat collector. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next word will be blue. Jeans. Hmm. Um, play. Kink. Hmm. Uh, dream. Drugs. Hmm. Nostalgia. Playground. Hmm. Uh, toy. Sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and think. Brain. Hmm. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Pretty straightforward, a lot of those. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm also going to give you a chance here. I'm going to flip the script and put myself on the hot seat. And uh, is there anything that you that comes to mind that you'd like to ask me or hear my answer for? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, something I'm always interested in asking other people who do creative things of any kind is like, what's what are the important elements of your creative process like do you have to have silence do you have to have coffee like what do you got to have there oh that is a very good question <laughs> um yeah i am definitely uh usually so it's sort of either silence or something very specific that i've chosen on purpose um because mm -hmm. like i i do have like sensory issues and i find um even sometimes just the the most basic of ambient noise can be distracting, which is mm -hmm. why I envy people who can go and work in coffee shops. I cannot do that. <laughs> um, I love doing that. I honestly miss it so much, but I also totally get when people are like, no, I could never do that. Yeah, no, I wish that I could. And I, I think depending on what I was doing, I maybe could, but um, 
And I know that some people like listen to just music or podcasts like constantly, and I do listen to them, but not, not, uh, not constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. That, <laughs> see, that's a question is like, Oh man, if I'd had time to prep, I could have given a much better <laughs> answer for that, which is why I say putting myself on the hot seat. Right. Um, I guess having like a, like a nice beverage, like I don't drink alcohol, but I do like to have like kind of, um, like a juice water mix or like a tea or something um, mm-hmm. to kind of uh, and I guess like comfy clothes like I've lived in pajamas through much of the pandemic which uh, I think a lot, some of us feel a little bit guilty about but like why not <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um, hmm. and yeah I guess sometimes it's like maybe like a, a snack or just kind of like having my desk set up in a certain way like I very kind of particular about that because um, mm-hmm. of the sort of uh, the autism, I guess, is like if things aren't in just sort of a certain way, then it's like, or on my computer, it'll be distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good and, answers. Yeah, um, like it's been I'm trying to think, like, like because lately a lot of my creative stuff has been either just like kind of writing blogs or um, doing like graphic design. And so that's kind of like usually like stuff that I focus on. And so it's about trying to just like block everything else out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's usually a little bit more straightforward and simple of just like, you know, maybe noise canceling headphones with nothing on uh, and like, you know, a drink and a snack and just, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. What, what about yourself? Actually, I'm curious. <laughs> hmm. I really like instrumental music. Um, there's an artist I love called Robot Science that is my favorite uh, stuff to listen to when I'm writing. Um, unless there's some reason, like atmospherically, that I want to listen to something else, like maybe I want to switch to sexy jazz for a really sexy piece or something like that. Um, I like to have either a latte during the day or a martini at night. Um, I will sometimes smoke weed before certain types of writing. It just depends on what I'm going for, uh, what kind of voice I want, um, and what kind of, cause I feel like when I smoke weed, my thoughts immediately become much more like esoteric and philosophical and weird. Um, and sometimes that is what I want. Um, and I got to have a to-do list somewhere uh, accessible. I, I feel like I can't start working unless I know like exactly what the things are for that day. And uh, I'll often put my phone on do not disturb because I just get too distracted if people are texting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess uh, we'll take a moment now to um, do the, I give uh, each of my guests an opportunity to highlight a charity or a cause if they want to do so. I know that you had one in the form that you filled out. So um, if you want to take a minute to just kind of talk briefly about that and why that one uh, was sort of your choice. Can you actually remind me which one I chose? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> I think it was AIDS Committee of Toronto. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the AIDS Committee or if it's a different thing that has the same acronym. Now that I think about it, um, Let me check real quick. I should have written this down. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> but right. I, if I remember correctly, because I have donated to them before, um, they they work with uh, folks who have HIV and AIDS in Toronto. Um, to help them in ways that I'm struggling to bring to my mind right now, but in ways that are definitely good. <laughs> yeah, and no, I just I just double checked it, and that was the one. I was impressed oh. with my memory there. <laughs> weird. Yeah, what am I thinking of? Maybe there's like another 
I don't think yeah. there could be another Toronto AIDS organization. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The acronym is ACT, A-C-T, if that mm. helps at all. Well, maybe not. Okay. Yeah, I just like went and looked through the list of like places that I've donated before. And I was like, well, I mean, you're in Toronto and they're doing really cool stuff in Toronto. So I figured it made sense. Oh. Um, yeah. And so the next uh, thing that we're going to do here is plugs. And I always let the guests go first for that. So um, I know you've got a bunch of different things to plug. So feel free to to go over all of them <laughs> if you want <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, so many. Um, I'll show the two books. Uh, this one is out already. It's called 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do. And it's an illustrated introduction to literally 101 different kinks and fetishes and how you can incorporate them into your sex life, uh, either with a partner or by yourself. Um, this one's coming out in April. Uh, it's called 200 words to help you talk about sexuality and gender. And it also is what it says, says on the tin. It's just like 200 definitions of words that, uh, will come up these days in conversations about sex and gender. Um, and those are both available wherever books are sold. Uh, I co-host two podcasts. One of them is called The Dildorks, which is about sex, dating, and masturbating. The other one is called Question Box, which is the game show podcast of shockingly personal questions. Uh, I write a blog called Girly Juice. You can find that at girlyjuice.net. Um, I write a weekly newsletter, which is like kind of more intimate essays about my sex life. That is at katesloan.email. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. And you can find my music on YouTube if you search Kate Sloan. That's so many hats. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, that, that second podcast that you mentioned sounds very intriguing. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> It's a good I, time. Yeah, both of my co-hosts on, on my two podcasts are really excellent. And actually, my co-host on the Dildorks, Bex, also has ADHD. And um, I feel like I've, like, learned so much about, like, how cool the ADHD brain is from him. Just, like, hearing his, you know, the way that he thinks about things is just really interesting. I think that the fact that we have two very different brains makes that show far more dynamic. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm gonna have to check them both out for sure. Um, but yeah, no, if that's one of the things that's kind of on my bucket list is I've always wanted to like, even if it was just like you know, kind of informally at like a, a pub night or something. But I've always wanted to host like a game show or a quiz show kind of mm. event or or something. Um, it's still still a dream of mine that uh, hopefully I can fulfill one day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so my stuff, uh, again, I, I also have a lot of different things to plug and I always struggle to remember them all, but, um, <laughs> I've got Artemis Creates is kind of my, like, um, my, my sort of personal public brand of like all the, all the stuff that I do that isn't hat collecting. I'm pointing here for the people that are not watching, uh, cause <laughs> I have two banners behind me. The one on my left is my Artemis Creates banner. And then on the right is hat collecting. Uh, so artemiscreates.com for kind of all that stuff. And then hatcollecting.com for, for the show and for the newsletter and for an event that I'm starting to run, which is currently called hat collecting play date. But by the time you listen to this, it might be called something different. I don't know yet. It's still kind <laughs> of early in the, in the project's life. Um, but that's sort of a, uh, an event that I started running. That is a, a variety of different activities for people to kind of play and have some fun and kind of self-reflect and, um, 
you know, sort of like improv games and, and things. So uh, I have a book called Parker and Tucker Private Investigators, which is a, a young adult short fiction detective novel that is available on Amazon. And if you're in Toronto, you can also get it at Glad Day Books, um, cool. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And um, I have a merch store, which you can find through artemiscreates.com. It's on Redbubble. And I have music on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, and SoundCloud, uh, whichever one of those platforms you prefer. It's um, it's pretty much all instrumental because I'm not the best singer, but uh, I still I still like music a lot. So um, yeah, and uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes and you want to leave a review, that would be awesome, but uh, obviously not uh, necessary. And I, uh, one thing I like to do for kind of the audience participation is I like to ask um, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, what was your favorite um, like question or answer or moment or thing that you thought while you're you know, consuming this this content and uh, leave a comment uh, either on YouTube or tweet at me or DM me or whatever because uh, I want to know what's kind of resonating with people. Do you have a, a, a hat? Excuse me. Do you have a hat nearby you there? I I literally <laughs> do. Hang on. Very uh, nice. I don't know how it's gonna work with the headphones, but <laughs> yeah, I know mine's a bit iffy too. But uh, yeah, I like to. Oh, oh yeah, I saw it on your Instagram. That's very cute. <laughs> Now this Here one I don't think I'll be able to put on under my headphones. So I'll have to put it on over my <laughs> headphones. Um, that is so, quite a look. <laughs> it's like you're podcasting while you're on a construction site. That's very funny. So there was a blue hat that I wanted to get, but it's buried somewhere in my closet. And so I was like, okay, well, I try to like think of like a theme or a reason for the hat that I'm wearing. And so the reason I'm wearing a hard hat here. <laughs> is for the idea of safe sex, essentially. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, one last thing I thought we could do for fun, it's sort of another little mini game before we wrap up here. Sure. Sorry, I have a dry mouth going on. Um, <laughs> so I like to do a thing I call a hat acronym. so make an acronym out of the word hats. And I thought it might be an interesting little challenge to maybe try to make it be like a sexuality or kink related acronym if that's something you feel like you could do and I can help you with it as well yeah sorry you said acronym and for some reason my brain thought you meant um the thing where you rearrange all the letters to oh form um, and I was anagram. like how many could there be yeah I was like <laughs> I realized that's not, not what you said um yeah I gotta th I gotta think about it for a second um no it's hats plural right uh, you could do that, or if, if it's easier to just do H-A-T, then, then you can do that one. I don't want to make it too hard. Hmm. The T is the <laughs> hard one, because I'm thinking, like, the H-A, I feel like, has to be horny and... I was going to say thirsty, but horny and thirsty are kind of the same thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe thirsty is, like, more kind of the mental component of it. Oh. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it, I guess. I guess. Um yeah, let's do horny and thirsty. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> horny and thirsty sex. There we go. Yeah, there you go. You got it. <laughs> yeah, it was a team effort. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, um, yeah, this has been really fun and, and enlightening, too. I, uh, I think I learned a few things from you, and hopefully the audience did as well. If you have any questions for myself or for Kate, do you now know where... Oh, I, I didn't say that when I was doing my plugs. I am also uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and uh, I'm on 
or TikTok, but I am not super active. But uh, at Hat Collecting for the the main platforms. And then um, uh, for Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Artemis underscore creates. Um, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, actually, I'm not very active on either right now. I've been on a bit of a quiet spell, but I'm sure I'll be back at some point. But um, yeah, thank you for listening and watching. Uh, thank you, Kate, for joining me and sharing your your wisdom and your nerdery. I appreciate it. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah. And until next time, uh, stay curious and keep collecting those hats, whether they are horny and thirsty or not. <laughs> Bye. Bye.